0: You are listening to Seattle Growth Podcast, available free on iTunes.
1: You know, the mayor's made it really clear that uh, we believe that this market can only handle one facility, and uh, we believe that. I think Key Arena presents itself as a really unique opportunity, um, given its history.
0: That's the voice of the director of Seattle's Office of Economic Development, Brian Surratt. He is leading the city's request for proposals for a major renovation of Key Arena. This process has potential to impact residents workers, and visitors to Seattle's South Lake Union and Queen Anne neighborhoods. I'm Jeff Schulman, a marketing professor at the University of Washington's Foster School of Business, and today's episode of Seattle Growth Podcast brings you an inside look into the process that could further transform Seattle's uptown neighborhood. You'll hear more about how the city is approaching the proposal process from Brian Surratt. You'll also hear how the surrounding businesses, residents, and visitors think about a potential Key Arena remodel from Key Arena Subcommittee Chair for the Seattle Uptown Alliance, Debbie Frosto. And to conclude the episode, you will get an early look at the impact Oakview Group intends to make in their proposal to renovate Key Arena from their Director of Special Projects, Lance Lopes. The city is in the midst of deciding where to site a sports and entertainment complex. Today's episode gives you insight into the process and the potential impact of a location under consideration so you can have an informed opinion while your voice can still be heard. Seattle Growth Podcast brings you in-depth interviews from a variety of perspectives to help you understand the key issues facing our growing city and how they impact you and your fellow community members. Early in this season of Seattle Growth Podcast, Wally Walker described a proposal for an arena in the Soto neighborhood.
1: What we propose to do is privately finance, in other words, no public money whatsoever, this arena, the seven acres that's required to build a world-class arena, is bisected by a a block, really an alley, of Occidental Avenue. To have enough room to build an arena, we need, really, it's just that strip of asphalt to be vacated.
0: Uh, If the council approves that, then we can put a shovel in the ground the next day. The season also featured Seattle City Councilmember Tim Burgess.
2: I thought that the city officials who studied that issue and presented the street vacation uh, proposal to us had done a good job, and I saw no reason
1: to deny the street vacation.
2: But some of my colleagues felt differently about that, and so you know
0: that's part of our process, and uh, I was on the losing end of that vote. A contributing factor to the street vacation not getting approved was the concern raised by the Port of Seattle. In an earlier episode, I sat down with port advocates, such as Port Commissioner John Creighton. I would just say that, um, you know, we support the Sonics coming back to town. You think it would be good for the economy, but we really would like everyone to take a hard look at, is the Soda Arena um, proposal the right spot for the arena, or would Key Arena be better? But there have been concerns raised about the viability of Key Arena, to play home to professional basketball. Earlier in this season, I had an in-depth interview with Pete Nordstrom, a current member of the Soto Arena Investment Group and previous member of the Seattle SuperSonics ownership group led by Howard Schultz.
1: In our arena situation, we were not able to generate enough revenue to make money. You know, even if we won every game, sold every hot dog in the building and t-shirt and all that stuff, we would still lose money. It wasn't about how many seats are in the building to watch a game. It's more about the footprint of what a building has to offer. So you had courtside seats, but there was a limit to really what you could get for those seats because you couldn't create the same amount of experiences. I think that that are value add. We didn't have any parking, preferred parking capabilities. Uh, We had a really hard time being able to generate revenue through any kind of merchandising stuff, whether it's food or all that. The footprint of that basic building does not allow for, for any of those things.
0: I also sat down with three-time NBA All-Star Detlef Schrempf. Key Arena was a phenomenal facility in the 90s. Now Seattle Center is almost impossible to get to, um, you know, if you're coming anywhere off I-5 Freeway because Mercer Street is just a mess. But in an earlier episode, Martin Duke, editor at Seattle Transit Blog, offered a more positive perspective on Key Arena. After 2035, the the pedestrian advantages in the Lower Queen Anne area are much better than the situation in Soto, but Soto is ready now, and Lower Queen Anne won't be ready until 2035. I would personally prefer Key Arena. I'm a bit of a long-term thinker on these kinds of issues, and I would suck it up for some amount of time before Light Rail opened. As we transition to today's episode, one thing is clear. The city is very different from when the Sonics played their last game in Seattle's Key Arena on April 13, 2008. Citywide, the resident population has grown almost 14%, from roughly 600,000 residents to over 685,000 residents. And people who live in the area surrounding Key Arena, such as Uptown Alliance's Robert Cardona, notice the changes in their neighborhood.
2: You go all throughout Uptown, and what was once surface lots, where you can park to go to a Sonics game or any other event at Seattle Center, is now being replaced by um, you know, mixed-use residential and retail.
0: And as the city is considering whether to accept a revised Soto Arena proposal or to renovate the existing arena, some residents, such as Jack Hussey, like what the Key Arena location has to offer.
2: I like the old Key Arena spot. It was fun to go to games in Queen Anne. I mean, it's a horrendous parking situation, but it was fun to go to the bars and restaurants and then be able just to be hanging
0: out afterwards. To better understand how the city thinks about the Key Arena location, Join me as I sit down with the director of Seattle's Office of Economic Development, Brian Surratt. I'm here at Seattle Municipal Tower with a popular person in the press here today, uh, Brian Surratt. He's the director of Seattle's Office of Economic Development, and he's leading the request for proposals for a key arena remodel. Brian, thank you for joining me today. Pleasure being here. Uh, why don't you start by telling me a little bit about yourself?
1: I'm the director of the city's uh, Economic Development Office. i uh, been in this role uh, for almost two years now. Uh, the mayor appointed me Uh, two years ago to take on uh, this responsibility. Um, Seattle is a a dynamic place. It's a hell of a product to sell, you know, when we're talking about economic development. Um, Investments from, you know, globally invested, uh, um, recognized firms to um, really dynamic small businesses. And uh, uh, Seattle's an amazing place.
0: And so Seattle's growing like crazy. And I'd imagine you're in the thick of it in the Office of Economic Development. Can you tell me about exactly the mission of your office or maybe the role you play in this growth?
1: Uh, So our office, uh, we're a small but mighty shop. Uh, We like to view ourselves as uh, the city's entrepreneurs and innovators. Uh, We touch, uh, we work with, um, again, businesses that have a global presence to um, our small immigrant-owned businesses. We have a workforce training and talent development team. Uh, We work with our um, neighbor commercial districts. Uh, Seattle is a community of neighborhoods and very strong neighborhood identities with strong commercial districts, so we work with those folks. We also have the the film and music office and special events. I think the the, the thread that ties all of those pieces together is we believe that we can reconcile uh, what a lot of people think may uh, be uh, some false choices, that yes, we've got amazing prosperity in this community. It's evident by the cranes that you see out there, Uh, but we also believe that every person Every resident in this community should have access to that prosperity. So that is a value proposition that that cuts across all of our lines of business.
0: And how does the request for proposals for a key Arena remodel fit in with the role of your office? In other words, why are you here uh, in the m- midst of this Sonics return potential?
1: Well, you know, it's it's um, the sports and entertainment are a big part of uh, the economy and who we are. Um, it sends signals um, to the rest of the world. Um, of what we value uh, especially from the arts side of it um, music is a big part of who we are um, the, the, the the proposed development or redevelopment of key arena um, is going to be impactful to uh, not only Seattle Center uh, an important uh, asset to this region but um, that neighborhood of uptown and Queen Anne and the future development there um, so Uh, we have a lot to say uh, when it comes to um, the arena and what it means for economic development for this city and and this region. So uh, I think it's, uh, we're excited to be a part of the process. You know, economic development is inherently a kind of multidisciplinary view, you know, and uh, the arena in many ways forces us to look at every tool that we've got in the toolbox, you know, as we think about making the right choice for the future of the arena.
0: Are there any accomplishments or activities out of your office that are similar in nature to what you're doing now with the Key Arena
1: Well, it depends on what you mean by similar. Um, So um, uh, when we're talking about challenging issues, uh, prior to this office as a director, I was the mayor's senior policy advisor, and I was his lead staff on the minimum wage, Um, a classic, highly passionate issue that uh, a lot of folks um, had divergent opinions on. I view, frankly, this process very similar to that, is like, how do we tackle really complicated um, issues where we have a lot of stakeholders with varied interests and bring those, hopefully bring folks together.
0: And if the process goes as you plan, what will the impact be on Seattle residents, whether they're basketball fans or non-basketball fans?
1: And we, we, first, we're going to have the Sonics back. That's the, the most important thing. I think the Sonics, uh, from a cultural identity part, so as you know, when we talk about growth you know, and, and community health and, and well-being, um, yes, the physical environment is important and understanding that the, the physics of a city work well, um, but um, there's a soul to a city and the cultural effects uh, to the city, and um, basketball and the Sonics mean a lot to this community, and if we can figure out that question,
0: um, that's going to be, be huge for this community. And what would it mean for somebody who doesn't care about basketball?
1: Well, we have another venue that um, uh, is a world-class one that uh, they can go see their favorite artists um, and performers come in. Uh, We don't have that right now. And uh, a city of our uh, stature It's something that uh, we need to rectify.
0: As you're looking through this process, how do you balance kind of this intangible psychological benefit you speak of versus the costs and benefits financially that may arise, whether it's Soto or Key Arena or wherever?
1: Well, I think, you know, Seattle, we're in a really unique position where, um, you know, I think it's been really clear from the public standpoint, uh, there isn't a whole lot of interest in actual public dollars going to projects like like this. And um, we are a... Market in a region that again blessed with um, amazing assets that private money and private investment wants to come into, and so we should take advantage of that. The, um, the question of you know, how do you quantify some of the other things? You know, it's uh, we made it really clear that arts and culture and entertainment are a big part of that. You know, you ask any major employer how they recruit their talent. These other amenities are a part of their business proposition. So many firms that, at the bottom of their job descriptions, they talk about why Seattle is so special and so unique. These cultural assets that we support and can add on only, only help all of us.
0: And so take us under the hood. What are you looking for? Do you have like a checklist you could kind of share or uh, some sort of guidance you can give us?
1: Uh, we're excited to see what uh, the proposals look like. Uh, we expect um, compelling uh, proposals uh, from folks. I think some of the most important things that we're looking for are um, it's, you know, financially um, sound. Uh, we've made it pretty clear that uh, there's really no interest in public dollars going into the, the construction of or rehab of, of the facility. We want to make sure that the, the NBA and the NHL um, not only is, does it meet minimal standards, but that it's compelling to them and, uh, and that it's um, it fits in nicely with the neighborhood, and it conforms with the neighborhood and, and really aligns with, uh, with the vision of, of the surrounding neighborhood there.
0: The expectations of an NBA arena, they seem to change really quickly. Uh, Seattle's already discovered that. If Key Arena plays host to the Sonics again, what can you do now to make sure history doesn't repeat itself?
1: Well, we are viewing this project as a 30-year, 40-year um, investment, and I think that's the framing that we need to have. And so any arena pro- proposal that comes, we need to make sure that, again, it doesn't meet just minimal N- NBA standards because that's, um, that's not good enough for us. I don't think that's good enough for Sonic fans that are expecting um, um, this facility to beat their needs and not to have the same experiences that they had in the past. So it needs to be viewed as a, as a generational-type project.
0: So help me understand the head start that the Soto Arena Group has. What hurdles have they cleared that the key arena remodel would, would require? And, and how long do these hurdles usually take?
1: So um, if, um, if we play out the arena process, um, uh, so the timetable again, April 12th uh, is uh, the deadline for their proposals. Um, I am to give uh, my recommendations to the mayor by the end of June Um, If we do select uh, one of the bidders um, as our partner going forward, uh, we probably need to enter another round of negotiations to to clarify exactly uh, what the proposal means. And and then the next step is um, environmental impact analysis. uh, That typically takes, you know, 12 to 18 months uh, for that to, to move forward. So there is a process going forward because we want to make sure that the community benefit proposals that uh, are being offered are codified and we fully understand um, what this partnership would look like.
0: Some people are calling for uh, have the cake and eat it too solution, so to speak. Key Arena for music and Soto for NBA and NHL. Is that realistic from the city's point of view?
1: We don't think so. You know, the mayor's made it really clear that uh, we believe that this market can only handle one facility, and uh, we believe that. I think Key Arena presents itself as a really unique opportunity um, given its history. Um, We've had basketball there, we've had music events there, and uh, it's in, um, it's part of a new emerging downtown neighborhood that um, has a lot of the amenities that people want uh, when you talk about a, uh, an urban experience. So um, we're excited about the opportunity.
0: The Key Arena is publicly owned land, so you've, you've got to get something out of it. Crazy idea. What about uh, trying to solve the affordable housing crisis by putting homes there or uh, artist studios. How viable is that?
1: Well, you know, uh, you're right that, you know, housing affordability is one of the um, key issues that we need to address as a community, uh, where we have a goal of adding 50,000 new units um, in in our community uh, to keep up with uh, demand going forward. Seattle Center has been with this city, this region for two generations now. And it's a gathering place. It's a cultural gathering place. And an asset like that, uh, we want to uh, maintain.
0: An- another idea being thrown out there is to let the street vacation be conditional for Soto. Let that play out over the course of a couple of years and then revisit key- a Key Arena remodel. Can you talk about the pros and cons of that approach?
1: Well, I can't speak for council. You know, they, um, you know, as you know, voted last year not to approve the street vacation. And the Soto Arena group has... Um, Uh, reapplied for that street vacation it typically takes um, several months uh, to go through that process I think that that vote from council and the willingness of two private developers in Oakview and AEG coming to us saying there could be an opportunity with with Key let's kick the tires and see how viable that is I think we uh, felt compelled frankly as public stewards that we need to understand what what happens there Um, you know, the ultimate question of arenas, you know, to understand the full benefits and costs, frankly, of a soda arena, we need to understand what what's viable and possible at Key Arena. That
0: was always going to be the question. In this whole process, there's actually a lot of uncertainty as to what the league will do, whether that's the NBA, which is the focus of this podcast, or the NHL. How does that factor into your thought process?
1: We've been in, in uh, consistent communications with both the NBA and the NHL and uh, we've uh, they've made it pretty clear is they want a plan they want a plan and a path towards an arena Um, the uh, the opportunity that presents itself at key arena is we have again two uh, industry leaders um, who are not just willing to kick the tires around key arena they are willing to build or rehab a building without having a team in hand and that. Solves a huge problem because we are able to go to both leagues and saying we have a plan, a, a plan, and a path uh, towards um, solving the arena pro- problem for Seattle. With Key Arena, uh, we have that as a public asset that we've got to resolve that question of Key Arena. Um, you know the the NBA commissioner um, last spring even signaled that um, a rehabbed or a reimagined Key Arena could be viable, given that the, the nature and the market of, of arenas and the NBA have changed dramatically over time. So um, so all those things that we talked about, um, the immediate opportunity of two investors coming in, willing to build, and um, the, the NBA signaling that it could be a viable option for us moving forward um, are compelling factors for us to move forward down this path.
0: Anything that you've been trying to tell people that you haven't been given a chance to?
1: I want to tell people that... You can't name another city in this country um, that has three investor groups willing to spend you know, maybe up to half a billion dollars each of private money to build an arena here. And um, it's an exciting opportunity. Uh, it's an opportunity that we need to be really smart about and do our due diligence. Um, and let's do it right. And Because if this is going to be a 30-year, a 40-year, 50-year solution, let's make it right and let's leverage the heck out of it.
0: And if we get the Sonics back, will you be at the games or are you doing this for the people of Seattle? I love, um, I love
1: basketball. And uh, uh, I played basketball in high school. I wasn't good enough to make it to, the, to you know, college or anything like that. But um, there's something beautiful about basketball as a, um, I think more unique frankly than even football or baseball. It, it transcends class and race um, because you see the players in action. You, you actually have that real-time interface with them on, on the court. The impact of individual players um, is more meaningful in a game. And then when we talk about some of the legends um, that have emerged out of Seattle basketball, um, you know, not necessarily just affiliated with the Sonics, but other uh, current NBA players who have Seattle ties, they come back and they're visible and people in the community see that. And so um, – I understand completely the passion uh, from Sonic fans and why they've been frustrated that it's taken um, so long for us to uh, find a path, um, but uh, I feel like we're on the cusp of, of some clarity in the, in the coming months on kind of where we're going to go. Any concluding thoughts on the issue? This is an exciting opportunity for the city. And um, I'm proud um, and honored to be working on this. Um, a lot of folks have been working on this. And uh, I think, um, again, in the next couple of months, we will have uh, clarity on kind of where we're, where we're gonna go. And I think, I hope that will come to that great relief you know, to fans who've been following this. Um, because ultimately, at the end of the day, um, we all want an arena. Um, that's um, compelling, exciting, and uh, we want the Sonics and an NHL team here
0: in Seattle. Brian, thank you so much for joining me. I appreciate your time and your perspective. Great. Still to come on this episode of Seattle Growth Podcast, Lance Lopes of Oakview Group explains why his company will be submitting a bid and what he hopes to accomplish with a Key Arena remodel. But first, I thought I'd plug a new, selective, work-compatible MBA program being offered by the Foster School of Business. Created to fit a busy lifestyle, the Hybrid MBA offers a mix of online and offline instruction to enable you to learn at the location of your convenience while also taking advantage of the region's unique, dynamic, and innovative business community to advance your career. Search Foster Hybrid MBA for more details. And now, to better understand how the residents and businesses in the surrounding uptown neighborhood are reacting to a potential Key Arena remodel, join me as I sit down with Debbie Frosto, I am here with Debbie Frosto. She is the Key Arena Subcommittee Chair for the Seattle Uptown Alliance, and she is also on Mayor Murray's Key Arena Advisory Panel. Debbie, thank you for joining me today.
3: Well, thank you for having us.
0: Uh, Why don't you start by telling me a little bit about yourself?
3: Um, I have lived in Uptown and have a small consulting practice for the last 10 years in Uptown as well. Uh, My background has been uh, both in the public and the private sector um, in development development. Both retail, commercial, transit, Uh, so varied. And then as a consultant, I really work a lot more in strategy, facilitation of um, core values, community building.
0: And so tell us, what is the Seattle Uptown Alliance?
3: Uptown Alliance was formed in 1999 by some community residents. Gene Sundberg, John Coney, who's no longer with us, and a few others. And the mission statement of it um, is really to promote a sustainable, civil, and enjoyable environment in uptown for its residents, its businesses, and its visitors. Um, They can take credit for a lot of infrastructure-type things, too. We have a real good planning group. So you look at the uh, Thomas Street Overpass. John Coney was instrumental in getting funding, worked 25 years on getting that funding, getting that bridge built. And then more recently, we have completed our urban design framework, which is a planning visionary uh, process with the city of Seattle because we are one of several uh, urban centers. And so Key Arena has come big into that conversation. As well as we're on the verge of actually establishing Uptown as an arts and culture district within the city of Seattle. So
0: what are your personal thoughts on a return of the Sonics to the city of Seattle?
3: Well, I mean, it's a welcome home, right? So I imagine there'd be a lot of people who are very excited about the idea um, of it. Uh, I was thinking back and say, you know, I have been to a Sonics game. I do have a Gary Payton bobblehead doll in storage somewhere. Seattle has great fans. We're great sports fans. So the idea of bringing home a team could be very exciting, I think, for very many people.
0: And so you have a bobblehead doll. Uh, did basketball mean something important to you in your life?
3: No, in one of my former corporate worlds, it was my job to uh, use all the uh, professional sports tickets and, and and take brokers and different people to games. And so I happened to go to a lot of different sports events, and Sonics were certainly one of the favorite events.
0: So taking clients to sporting events, does that? did that help your business?
3: It certainly did. Um, and it was... Um, a little being international woman's day i can say it, being a woman in the business i wasn't out on the golf course not that there are not a lot of women golfers but i wasn't out on the golf course it was something that i could do as a corporate leader in being able to take um in where i was functioning a lot of more business men out to a social event which um allowed a lot of information and and collaboration to happen in a much more networking, social environment. So the sports arenas for that type of uh, business, I think, are very important.
0: And now, speaking of sports arenas they're thinking of bringing the Sonics back, there's two locations, it seems to be. We've got a Soto Arena proposal, and they're currently uh, requesting proposals on renovating Key Arena, which is in your neck of the woods. What opportunities do you see associated with the Sonics uh, for the Uptown Alliance
3: obviously the opportunity at the kind of commercial retail core level for Uptown to grow and we have the potential to grow and so being able to support that type of activity with um, restaurants and nightlife and uh, um, all the supporting activities that go along with it I think are wonderful. Um, For the residents I really believe having a major player in our neighborhood who calls their home Uptown um, is really important to being able to reach some of the community goals. We, um, we need a community center that has sports facilities. We don't have a school in our area. So to be able to grow the residential, become a residential neighborhood where people want to live, the idea of having some association with larger sports teams and or music um, could be really important, I think, to expanding kind of the arts and culture within our own community.
0: Are there any other opportunities that you'd like to, to mention?
3: Yeah, I think there's some real opportunities. Um, and I think it's going to take some creative thinking. Um, we, Uptown Alliance, held a workshop um, where we had both of the groups that were responding to the RFP come. And we had about 40 or 50 people, I think, at the workshop. Um, We've also done a survey, and we had 800 people respond to our survey on Key Arena. Um, The idea of a walking district has started to kind of come up and filter upward, and we didn't know what that meant to people. But the idea, everyone talks about traffic and the concerns, and they're real. They're very real. How many, can we take 80 nights of full capacity parking again? Not without making some changes. So can we become a walking district where parking is outside of that half mile to quarter mile walking shed and people walk in to Key Arena. You're gonna have connections after the tunnel is built on John and Harrison, I think it's Republican, coming from South Lake Union through Seattle Center in in through there. All of a sudden we become more walkable um, in that area. So I do think that there's some um, real creative thinking if both the city and the groups responding to the RFP want to get creative. Um, We've got some challenges. Parking is certainly one, and traffic is one. Um, Even now, Seattle Center does not have an Uber drop-off or a car share drop-off. And so it's not unusual to see people waiting for a car pickup right on Mercer and holding up traffic. And that's kind of silly. That's not necessary. Um, If we could just organize that a little bit better. We don't have a parking management share program, um, though there's been a parking survey done recently by Seattle Center, and I think that that will get them thinking about those kinds of things. Um, so people are concerned about, about that. Um, people are concerned about what happens to the trash that it's expanded into the neighborhoods. That was actually one thing that came up in our community meeting is, don't just clean up Key Arena, come into the neighborhood and clean up after an event um, for it. So those concerns are real. I will say that our community meeting was Um, really positive. And I had to just kind of chuckle because the Seattle Times, you know, headline was about this calmness of a a community meeting around Key Arena. But it was, it was, people were really there to be positive about it.
0: Any other challenges you'd like to see addressed or that you worry about?
3: Um, I think Uptown Alliance has its goals and missions and affordable housing is a huge one. And if there is any opportunity in the redevelopment of Key Arena through a parking lot or whatnot, in the rezoning to allow for affordable housing upward, above something, um, when you have these private-public partnerships, you have the opportunity to do things that you can't usually do. And so I think the idea of being able to take on something about affordable housing could be very interesting if they wanted to do it. Um, We have challenges of... Um, we're going to be under construction for a long time. Um, Whether it's Key Arena or it will eventually be the school district, it will be eventually ST3 and so we need to figure out a way to enjoy having the cranes and the construction and make that just part of who we are because we're a, a wonderful community in transition. And then lastly, I would say one of the things that we've worked really hard with was Seattle Center, and they've been very receptive to it. If you can think of Seattle Center being a, being built as an event property, it's walled. It's walled off. It was meant to bring people in and keep them inside. And a community is a district. It connects. And so we've been talking about how do we punch holes into the walls in Seattle Center so that there's this sharing of experience. And I think Kiarina... Um, can either be a challenge or an opportunity to do that.
0: And so Key Arena might be remodeled regardless of whether there's an NBA or NHL team that is willing to move to Seattle or actually does move to Seattle. One thing residents have proposed is let's make Key Arena for concerts, let's remodel it, and then let's let the Soto go forward and and have that be for sports. What are your thoughts on that kind of solution?
3: You know, I'm not in the detail of the business of it, so I really don't know um, I think what it does, though, is it begs the question, is that if Key Arena is not selected, then what's plan B? And Because I don't think you can do music in both places. And um, the um, collegiate sports, the women's sports, are probably not enough. And so then you have to have a plan B for Key Arena. And um, I haven't heard what that might be.
0: And what would you hope? Would you hope that Key Arena gets used for a different purpose or that Key Arena becomes the home to uh, concerts, sports, hockey, basketball, and so on?
3: I want it done well wherever it's done. Um, So I'm I'm curious at this point. I'm curious at this point. I want Uptown to be successful and I want it to be a vibrant neighborhood. And if it can be done well, I think it could be very, very exciting and could... um, I would love to see Seattle Center thought of as our central park instead of an event stadium only. And if we could start to break those walls open and have those kinds of events and have a major player in our community miss, I think that would be fabulous. But it can't be at the risk of harming the neighborhood. And so I, I'm
0: curious. So crazy idea. What about if instead of it being remodeled as a concert or as a NBA or NHL arena, what if Key Arena was turned into affordable housing?
3: So I love thinking outside the box, and I'm going to say, okay, forget the RFP for a moment. There's opportunities when there are public and private collaborations. When we started the urban design framework of Uptown Alliance, we realized that there were eight city blocks inside of Uptown that were publicly owned. And that's highly unusual for a neighborhood to have that. So the question is, what can you do when you can combine forces on something like that? So if the music and sports go to Soto, we need a plan B for Key Arena. And we do need a revenue stream for Seattle Center that is strong. But to be able to transition into some sort of affordable housing with um, artist residents in it, um, that support the jobs and the artists that live and work in the area, um, I think everything should be put on the table if, for some reason, this doesn't come to Key Arena.
0: In most cases, I get to say, if you could get a message to the mayor, what would you say? But you actually are going to get a message to the mayor and say something. So clue the rest of us in. Uh, what are the things that you're looking for and what are the things that you're going to ask of the mayor when you get your chance?
3: Being creative on transportation and parking is, is a big one. I don't know the ability of the monorail to service more, but um, it should definitely be on an ORCA program. So it's, it's really being able to be creative and do things that support the community here.
0: If you can get a message out to the people of Seattle, whether they're Sonics fans or maybe they don't even care about basketball, do you have anything you would ask of them as this process unfolds?
3: Yeah, get involved. Uh, communicate. Uh, come to the Uptown Alliance meetings. You know, we had an arts and culture meeting, and yes, we had some of the executive directors of arts and cultures, but we had developers interested in art, building artist housing. We had we had both of the, the key arena develop uh, respondents coming to it. So look at where you have passion and where you overlay into community work and get involved. Uh, that's that's why Uptown, I think, has developed into such a strong voice and the mayor is including us because we actually have people involved and are thoughtful collaborative not just saying no we we really are curious and um so yeah my message would be get involved let's make this a great great place wherever uh wherever it happens but if it's going to happen in uptown if you don't live in Uptown, we want you to love coming here, and we want to know why, what would make it that way. And if you live in Uptown, we want to know what it feels like what you see it looks like when that arena's done and there's a major event going on again and again and again, and it still is fun to be here. So we, we, we want to know what that feels like so we can plan for it. Any
0: concluding thoughts?
3: I think it's an exciting time for Seattle, and um, I hope that we have strong leadership, both in the public realm and in the private realm, to take us forward um, and to be collaborative, be creative in solutions um, of how we go forward on, on all the different items. The, um, coming into um, Uptown and using Mercer is not just an Uptown experience. The freight uses it. The people on top of the hill need to go through that area of town. So we need to look outside of property lines. And I guess that's what I would say to the respondents to the Key Arena and to Seattle Center and to the mayor's office. You have to look outside the property lines of what the project is and figure out how the contacts all works together. And I hope that we'll do that. And um, I hope the advisory committee has a really looks like an interesting group of people on it that will be able to to kind of make that happen. Um, So I'm hopeful.
0: Debbie, thank you very much for joining me and sharing your perspective today. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Next up on this episode of Seattle Growth Podcast is a look at what Oakview Group hopes to bring to the table with a key arena remodel. But first, I want to let you know about Sonic Boom Day. City Council deserves to know what their constituents want as it relates to a potential return of the Sonics. And the arena they would call home i hereby declare monday april 17th sonic boom day amplify your voice by sharing your thoughts with council on the same day as others whether you want a key arena remodel a street vacation for a soto arena or none of the above lend your voice to this process combined with others it will create a boom that will be heard i've been bringing you a diverse set of perspectives on potential arena locations in seattle By the end of this season, you will have an informed opinion on how the council's decisions will affect you and life in this city. Visit seattlegrowthpodcast.com backslash sonicboom for more information on how to participate. And now, join me as I sit down with a member of the Oakview Group. I'm here with Lance Lopes, Director of Special Projects at Oakview Group. and Oakview Group is one of several that are looking at providing a proposal to remodel Key Arena and potentially uh, create a future home for the Seattle Supersonics. Lance, thank you for joining me today.
2: Yeah, it's been a pleasure. Thanks, Jeff.
0: Uh, so why don't we start by having you tell me a little bit about yourself. Well, I'm uh,
2: a longtime resident of Seattle. I've been here uh, consecutively for about 17 years, but 20 altogether. Uh, much of that time, I worked for the Seattle Seahawks and Seattle Sounders and first in goal. And I've also uh, worked for the University of Washington Athletic Department during that time as well. Uh, but I most recently joined Oakview Group in November of last year to uh, help get this project uh,
0: completed. So why don't you tell me a little bit more about Oakview Group?
2: Well, Oakview Group is a relatively new company with a tremendous track record of success within the people that, that are making that company up. So it's principal founders, Tim Laiwicki uh, along with Irv er- er- er Azov. Uh, Tim is a legend in the in the arena development business. He he is the uh, uh, CEO of AEG, uh, and really was a visionary that that did a lot of the work for them over the you know the their formative years uh, with the MLS, with LA Live Project, O2 Arena in London, all those different projects. Uh, Tim was very very involved in that. And then uh, his partner Irvayzov is a legendary music agent in the LA market. These two formed this company. Uh, There's a whole host of experience in a very new company.
0: And tell me a little bit about what your role is as director of special projects.
2: Well, right now my role is to try to secure the proposal for Oakview Group for the redevelopment of of Seattle Center's arena, uh, first and foremost. So I'm working on that full time. Uh, That's all I do. I live here in Seattle. Uh, Again, I'm a Seattle resident.
0: And so Oakview Group has projects around the country. Why Seattle? Why Key Arena? And why now? Seattle is, is truly one of the great entertainment markets
2: in this country. We know that, and uh, the city of Seattle knows it. Uh, this is a, a remarkable place, as we all know. The growth has been tremendous. And the idea that, that we have the arena that we have right now uh, is really hard to believe, frankly, uh, in this day and age with the, the amount of, of growth and opportunity in this city. Uh, It certainly is probably in the top 20 markets in the the United States, probably the last to not have a big, brand-new entertainment and sports arena
0: uh, to serve its citizens. Describe your vision uh, for a remodeled key arena.
2: Our our vision, without getting into the specifics, because we are in a competitive process right now, and we will certainly reveal that, but I would simply say that our vision for that is that it is a world-class sports entertainment venue, Uh, that's a 30-year-plus solution for the city of Seattle. We certainly wouldn't be getting into this process and this investigation uh, if we didn't think that we could potentially uh, do this thing the way that this city uh, deserves to have an arena built.
0: Before you got involved in this RFP process that's taking place right now, were you already scouting Key Arena, or were you scouting other areas in Seattle as a potential for... Extending your entertainment brand
2: in this market, in particular, we've only been interested in Seattle Center. Uh, We, you know, we've looked at We're actually in process of of looking at developments all over the country, in places like Austin and Roanoke, Virginia, and Miami, and places like that. But in Seattle market, the only reason we are looking at this market is because of the opportunity at Seattle Center. We think it's a tremendous opportunity uh, that to to reshape this community in a positive way.
0: So let's talk about that reshaping of the community in a positive way, what do you anticipate being the impact on the surrounding neighborhood? Well, as we all know, there's an
2: existing use there today. Uh, there is a fully functioning arena that's been operating there for since 1962. So I, I remind everyone that, that, that we are not uh, doing anything different than it currently exists. And in fact, from a capacity standpoint, the numbers will be very similar uh, I imagine whether it be us or anybody else that builds an arena, we're probably looking at somewhere around 17, 18, you know, 19,000 people uh, in that arena, and it's currently at 17,000 capacity. So we really don't see it uh, changing that. I mean, we certainly know that by putting in a new arena there, it's going to change the number of event nights. So you're going to see a, a frequency issue, but you're not going to see an intensity and uh, uh, volume to that
0: neighborhood than we currently see today. And do you know how many times kirina has been sold out in the last year? Have you looked into that?
2: Well, it it depends because now at this point they're only doing music and entertainment for what I'll call their large events and so in some of those cases they're probably only getting to 13 or 14,000 capacity. I think uh one of the shows I think it was Springsteen did about 15,000. So they have not been at what I will call a true sold-out sports capacity in some time because, of course, since the Sonics left, they they haven't driven those kind of numbers through the building.
0: And what do you anticipate as being the impact on Seattle as a whole of having an Oakview Group built sports and entertainment complex on the Key Arena site?
2: Well, first and foremost, it's going to bring uh, entertainment and music uh, to the city, but it's also going to bring an arena that will attract, we hope, the NHL and the NBA back. Uh, We do know that that, uh, you have to build these facilities before these leagues are interested in in coming back, but our goal initially is to build a sports and music and entertainment facility that that can handle all these various uh, activities. And frankly we think it's going to increase increase the number of events and dates. Uh, You know the shows that we're seeing right now going to the Tacoma Dome and some of the other areas we believe they're going to live right here in Seattle if we get an arena built. Uh, there's no reason for many of those entertainers to go down to that facility if they can have a world-class arena right here in Seattle.
0: And then some followers on Twitter are calling for a, what I'll call the have-the-cake-and-eat-it-too solution, where Key Arena is remodeled for music and entertainment, and then Soto is the home of the NBA and the NHL. Is that realistic from your end? that's
2: not realistic from anybody's end, frankly, uh, that that understands this business. You cannot have two arenas in a city uh, and have them, either one of them, be successful financially. Uh, And the simple reason for that is because much of the economics of these buildings is based off of event nights. So let's just use music, for example. And you need to have a certain number of events to make the building profitable. If you're splitting those events up with another building, you're, you're necessarily going to be having a difficult time getting the revenue streams and the, and the fixed revenue streams that you need. More importantly as well is, is when those two buildings compete against each other, even the, even the events that you get, you're going to be paying, you're going to be getting significantly less for them because you're in a competitive situation. So, for example, you're, you might be getting 70 cents on the dollar that you would be getting if that other arena weren't there negotiating against you. So, there is not a single example in this country, of that model working in a market other than Chicago, Los Angeles, or New York that I'm aware of. Um, it just, in a market the size of Seattle, um, you know, when we look at Minneapolis and Denver and and markets like that, San Francisco markets, you know, it just, the model doesn't exist and it doesn't exist for a reason. It just it just doesn't work.
0: And so for the listener who's thinking, wow, competition, that sounds good, drive prices down, that's gonna be better for, for me, help them understand whether that would or would not be better for them, if this magical world could exist where you both compete for acts?
2: Well, I would simply answer that as it's a magical world because nobody uh, would enter into a, an agreement to spend hundreds of millions of their own dollars to build an arena with that economic model. So it, it, it is a fantasy.
0: What's most exciting to you about the Key Arena location, Seattle Center, and its potential impact on the entire city of Seattle?
2: Well, well, first and foremost, the history of the location is it's a fantastic location it's been the heart of the city for many years and the hearts of the heart of certainly the cultural and entertainment community uh, and and still you know continues to be that with with all of the different uh, events and activities that go on down there millions of people uh, go to Seattle Center every year the Space Needle alone draws over two million people a year so this is a hub of our city And to have the arena continue to be in the hub of our city is something that I personally think is a great idea. Uh, It is served by many different uh, modes of access to get there. And to me, it it is really a a great idea to keep the arena in a place that is in the center of the city.
0: So help me understand the, the process of a major project like this. What hurdles need to be cleared, and how long are they likely to take? The first hurdle would,
2: of course, to be selected, by the city to to negotiate an agreement with. So first you need to be selected, and then we would have to negotiate an agreement with the city that that would have basically become a contract. And then of course you need to design it and permit it, uh, which is going to take you know a year and a half or so to to get all the permits and stuff. At that point, then you would be coming out of the ground and, and building an arena. Um, I would point out that that you know we believe that. That this project could be completed in three or four years,
0: and that's three to four years from today, or three to four years from after the design review is completed. Three to four years from today. Uh, wh- where do you see the biggest challenge uh, to keeping to that timeline? If
2: well, the the landmarks, the historical designations are going to be a challenge. The the you know, the environmental uh, permits, of course. You know, this thing has to go through all the permitting channels that that. Uh, any project would have to. At the same time, um, because it is a city, because it is existing use, and it is a city-owned piece of land, uh, we see that as an advantage. Uh, having the city as our partner, uh, if, if in fact we're selected, uh, we would be partnering with the city. And I can think of no better partner uh, for a permitting process than the people that are actually issuing the permits.
0: So as we found out here in Seattle directly, the needs of an NBA arena, they change relatively quickly. What can you do now to avoid the same challenges or problems that led to the Sonnets departing back in 2008?
2: All you can do is design a building with as much flexibility as possible in it. I mean, at some point, you do have to, you know, pour the cement and build, put the steel in. So you you do have have to commit to a design at some level. But Based on the best information you have, and we, we know this, we have the best in the business. The people that work for us are the ones that have built more arenas than anybody in this world, uh, more certainly more NBA and NHL arenas than anybody has in this world. So we put our trust in those folks to design a building that has the flexibility to uh, to serve those needs for for as long as they possibly can. But I would also say that that I think every building at some point probably has to undergo some renovation and updating. Eventually, they all do. So my guess is even this building would eventually require some of that. You know, a 30-year building is, is, is a pretty tough solution without any improvements.
0: And is there anything you could do in contracting with the city or contracting with the potential owners of the sports franchises to make sure that we're not on a repeat of, you know, the team saying they can't make it work and then deciding...
2: Well, the difference would be this would be a privately uh, managed and owned building, uh, which is very, very different than the last model. So uh, the city would not be on the hook. uh, If if a team were to leave, it would be the private owned building that would be, in effect, trying to figure out where their tenant went. Uh, So I would say that from that standpoint, the city would be protected because I guess the financial impact would certainly be on the private developer.
0: So Oakview group is based out of Los Angeles and some have expressed concern that making a financial return on the investment might be prioritized by the out- of town group over maybe contributing to the local community or maximizing the, the benefit to to all Seattle resi- to all Seattle residents uh, any comment on that line of thought well I would I would just simply say that that's let's wait until we see what
2: our proposals look like because we certainly understand uh, how a project like this impacts a community and how uh, it needs to serve the community, and our intention is to to serve this community in a way that will make make all the taxpayers and citizens proud. Uh, we certainly understand the role that this arena will have. And uh, I don't know that it really matters where the developers come from. In fact, I would say that, that the track record of Oakview and even even you know, the others that are bidding on this project are very impressive, and they somehow have managed to to develop projects all over the world.
0: So have you done anything so far to better understand the, the local community and how Oakview Group might contribute or minimize the negative impacts on them?
2: You know, that's been one of my priorities is is I meet with two, maybe three groups a day sometimes, um, you know, stakeholders, constituents, neighbors, uh, people from the community, uh, council members, you know, just across the board. It's been my goal to try to talk to as many people as possible to understand what their needs are, uh, and to really figure out whether uh, we're going to be able to serve those needs. But, but my goal initially, and Oakview's goal, is to be as smart as we possibly can be uh, before we start the design of this process. Because to really understand and 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 take into consideration everybody's views, I think is very very important. And it's just it's the, the right way to do a project. Is is to start with. Uh, With asking as many questions as you possibly can.
0: So now, as the city is in the midst of deciding how and where and when to pave the way for Return of the Sonics, uh, if you can get a message out to the people of Seattle, what would you say to them, or what would you ask of them?
2: Well, I I would simply say this. First of all, I I would hope that everyone would keep an open mind. I mean, I've heard a number of of folks talk about traffic concerns in South Lake Union, and, and while we certainly all are aware of some of what's going on there, I would I would also point out that most of that action is outbound and not inbound. So when, when people point out the, the quote-unquote Mercer mess uh, that we all have seen, uh, I would ask them to look at, at westbound Mercer at 6 o'clock at night. While, in fact, it, it can be entangled, I think sometimes if we actually study the subject and really look at it as we are, there are
0: solutions there. At scale of 1 to 10, how likely— are the Sonics fans of Seattle going to be going to a Seattle Supersonics basketball game in five years from now? I can't answer that.
2: Uh, I will say this about the NBA. And the NBA will come when the NBA is ready to come. And I, I don't believe that it has anything to do with what we do here in Seattle. The, the, the NBA, I believe the NBA knows that this is a great basketball market. And the NBA will come back here when they're ready to come back, either when they're ready to do expansion or then there's a team available to move but not until then. Uh, And so, you know, we can talk all we want about building arenas or, or, you know, getting the message out and letting people know that we want our basketball back, but ultimately it's in someone else's hands, um, and we know that. So as to when, when we'll see the NBA back in Seattle, that's a question that needs to be asked of maybe the commissioner of the NBA, probably first and foremost.
0: And if the Sonics do return, how would that affect you, or what would that mean to you personally?
2: It would be wonderful. absolutely wonderful I mean I think all of us uh, miss that activation I would also say that I think this is a great hockey market and I while I understand there are a lot of great Sonics fans there are also a lot of hockey fans in this market and I think that hockey is a wonderful opportunity in this city as well so uh, you know I I speak to both hockey and basketball fans uh, when I say that you know we think that when we get an arena coming out of the ground we're gonna get their attention uh, but again they 're going to come when they're ready to come and and not not any
0: sooner so let's say you're successful in remodeling Key Arena, and the sonics never come. What would the impact of Seattle of remodeling Key Arena with Oakview Group be in that case?
2: Well, we would still have a world class music and entertainment venue that would be drawing far more acts than we're drawing today, a uh, far more diverse group of acts, uh, having them here in Seattle. But it would likely mean, hopefully, that we would have an NHL franchise uh, because, again, we would have a world-class arena that could, could certainly hold uh, NHL or NBA franchise. And uh, we believe that this is a great market. It's certainly a great hockey market. So we would hope that, that the NHL would be here even if the NBA did not return.
0: For somebody who may not care about the sports and they may not care about the concerts, are there any other ways that a key arena remodel whether it's done by Oakview Group or somebody else, is there any other way that it would affect them?
2: Well, I would simply say that it will, will improve the Seattle Center uh, experience for decades to come. Uh, if a new arena is built at that location, I think it, it ensures the viability of that location as a music, arts, and entertainment culture center for the city of Seattle for decades to come. And if we don't reinvest in that arena or we build an arena somewhere else, I think that the future of Seattle Center uh, is in question in terms of what happens there and, and whether it remains
0: uh, as relevant as it is today. Any concluding thoughts?
2: Jeff, I, I just I want to thank you for, for having me in here and giving me the opportunity to, to talk a little bit about the project. I would just simply say that we are really excited about what we have uh, that we're developing um, to take to the city. Uh, To review and and you know the only thing I would say is is you know everybody should should just be patient uh, because the city is in a remarkably advantageous position here to have as many interested parties as they have uh, looking at arena projects and and ultimately what's going to happen here is the city is going to end up with a heck of a deal no matter what they do just because you know they they're in a really enviable position uh, and I think that the citizens of Seattle should should feel heartened by that uh, and because that's not always the case.
0: Lance, thank you so much for joining me today and sharing your perspective. I really appreciate it.
2: You're welcome. Thanks for having me, Jeff.
0: That is all for today's episode of Seattle Growth Podcast. Have an opinion to share about a key arena remodel? Reach out to me on Twitter, at Prof Shulman. I'm eager to hear your perspective. I've enjoyed seeing the flutter of activity as people voice their many opinions on the subjects from previous episodes. I also ask that you stay subscribed to the podcast on iTunes. Coming up, I have a one-on-one interview with Chris Hansen, the person driving the Soto Arena proposal. And next week on Seattle Growth Podcast, Craig Kinzer of Kinzer Partners describes the impact an arena would likely have on the surrounding commercial real estate. And the chief economist at Windermere shares how rents and home values might be affected by an arena location. He also shares whether it is a good time to buy a home in Seattle. This episode shows how the decisions being made will affect your wallet. You will not want to miss it. I hope you will join me next week. In the meantime, visit seattlegrowthpodcast.com backslash sonicboom for more details on how to have your voice be heard in this process. I am Jeff Schulman, and I appreciate you joining me on this journey in the second season of Seattle Growth Podcast.